Hi, I'm Frank Daly and welcome to That Sounds Interesting podcast. Today my guest is Richard Gross, who works as a community manager in Beta House Coworking. So welcome, Richard. It's great to have you on my podcast today. Hi, Frank. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Richard, um, first of all, I think we'll start with uh, your background. So maybe you could give me a little bit of like where you grew up and went to college and things like that. Absolutely. So I was born in the west of Germany in a town called Mainz. Most people know it from the football team, I'd assume. And yeah, that's where I grew up till I was about five. And then my family moved to northern Bavaria. So that's more south in Germany, but north in Bavaria in a town called Würzburg. Again, mostly famous for its sporting efforts by a basketball player named Dirk Nowitzki, who's from there. And yes, grew up there went to college and all that, and after that to university. So uh, what did you study in university? The first course I studied in my bachelor was English and American Culture and Business Studies in a town called Kassel. There I basically was trying to get a grip on business on the one side and then Anglistics or just Anglo-American culture on the other side. Highly formative time, met great people, started working in an Irish bar on the side and dipped into a lot of different fields of interest and I would say as well built the foundation of my identity in some way since I didn't have any Wi-Fi which was scandalous even during the time. So that must have been hard to survive if you think about trying to survive without any connection to, to the internet these days. It, it depends on which light you shed on it. I had a place that was really close to university, about 200 meters, so I literally had to go into the internet and then decided not to get a connection for my room and leave the room offline. A good idea in other ways if you think about it because it allows you focus. We can be, have too many interruptions sometimes. Yeah, very true. So it was for me, it was good at least to have a room by myself for three, a good three and a half, four years, just with your own thoughts, really, and with your own, own mind and diving into the depth of that. And so moving on, um, you did a master's afterwards. Yes, I did. So Maybe you can tell, you, tell me a little bit about that. By all means, yeah. So I wrote exactly one application to the university where everyone said I shouldn't even try basically, which was the place in down south called Passau. And they offered a highly intriguing masters in international management and intercultural studies. And I wrote the application, I wrote a long letter of motivation and I was lucky enough to get accepted. So I moved down there since I also wanted to change backgrounds or change universities in general. I could have done the masters in Kassel pretty easily in the same faculties with the same professors and all that. But I decided that I wanted a change of change of scenery, change of pace. Yeah, it's always good to move somewhere else to, to get a different perspective in, in your education as yeah, well. Yeah, I'd second that. So I moved down south and yeah. And so choice. a part of that though involved going to Scotland as well. Yes, it did. So. I applied for the masters in Passau with, in the back of my head with this thought that they offer a double degree program as they called it with the University of Stirling in Scotland. Meaning 
I knew that was a program they had. I knew it was interesting for me, but I also knew that only three or four people can go. So I knew that the chances were quite slim there, but I replied nonetheless and once again got lucky, I guess. Great. So tell me a little bit about your time in Scotland. Yes. So my year in Scotland, in a town called Stirling, which they also claim to be the heart of Scotland. Maybe you've been, actually. You're from the island. No, I'm, I'm from Ireland, but it's, it's close. I've been to Scotland several times, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but I haven't been in Stirling. Yeah. So I highly recommend you should go. And I would still easily say that that was one of the best years of my life in Stirling since everything was very extreme during the time I feel so it was a high-pressure masters we had a scholarship tied to it we had a very tight group myself and uh, two girls trying to get through the degree under the circumstance that you cannot really fail an exam or a test because elsewise you would have to go back to the university in Passau Oh wow! So a lot of pressure then. And what Pretty about? Much, yeah. And what about your um, uh, the thesis that you wrote for the masters? Oh yeah, very good point. So I remember a precise moment actually when I was sitting on campus trying to wrap my head around what I should write my thesis on, and I was just looking out the window, and I saw a bridge that connects two parts of the university where people can walk. So it's a it's an aisle, basically. It's a glass aisle that connects two buildings. And I just saw people walking. And I don't know from where, but from somewhere, this thought came to me that I wanted to know what people took from university in some way, meaning when they go from one end to the other, what they take. And during the time, I was already intrigued or interested by people that start businesses, so entrepreneurs in any way. And that's when I started to form an idea in my head to write about founders and their connection to the University of Stirling. And I named it Between Campus and Company. Oh, good title. Basically, thank you. Basically, I always had a knack for alliterations. (laughs) And yeah, so I basically went out looking for people that started businesses and that went to the university and then interviewed them in lengthy qualitative uh, research trying to extract or trying to figure out what it was that they took from university and what they didn't take. Always in the back of my head, of course, that I was wondering myself what was going to stick from my academic career and what was just going to go away. Okay, that's good. That sounds like uh, you got a lot out of that master's program. Yes, absolutely. And so moving on from that, you did you go to Australia? I know you went to Australia. I did, actually. You're very well informed already. Yes, I went to travel after my master's. So I always knew at some point that I would do traveling on a lengthy um, trip or just on a very on a very unique approach in some ways. So I yeah, packed my bags after I finished my master's. It was a point where I had no job, no girlfriend. <laughs> Most of all, a bit of money and lots of time. So an exciting type of adventure, really. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and so uh, you were in Sydney. I was in Sydney, yes. So I had a trip pieced together pretty spontaneously. 
only knowing that I was going to leave and then really play it by ear. I didn't know how long, I didn't know where I would go. And what sort of job you might get? Of course not, no. And I landed in Sydney coming in from Hawaii, pretty broke, to be honest. So I was at, at a point where I would definitely need a job. And Sydney wasn't easy for me at first, but I loved the city from the day I set foot in it, actually. And did you ever consider staying there? I did for a second, I did, <laughs> actually. But if you really want to know, one of the things that pulled me back was not being able to imagine that I would have to get into a plane for, say, my mom's birthday or Christmas or any of that. Of course, yeah. Even the exciting places when you're abroad, if your family is the other side of the planet, it does, you know, and your friends and whatever else. But moving on then, you uh, came back and did you work for Beta House right away? Yes. Not so much. So I figure, try to figure out where to go next, really. I knew I wanted a job in the field that I studied in as well. I did all kinds of different jobs during the world travels, but I knew that I was going to go down a path now that the academic career set me on and my degrees as well, really use the degrees. And I started with the city, really. So I moved to Berlin, or not moved, came more or less. No job, no place to stay, just a guitar and a backpack, really. And then, yeah. We'll talk about the guitar yeah. in a minute, actually, sure. uh, which is good. Okay, that's a, um, a, that's a good image, actually. And yeah, from there, I, I had a place for one month from a friend of mine who was staying abroad. And I didn't really know the guy as well. Shout out to Jonas Nipko at this point, who enabled me my first room in Berlin. And I needed a place to write applications as well. I couldn't really work from home. Even in the studies, I was always the guy to go to the library, dress a bit different, and then get the work done there. Yeah, there's a sense of occasion of leaving where you live and going somewhere else and maybe uh, like that's why I come to Beta House. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean you know I could I'm work perfectly about. fine in my apartment but I, yep. I, I, it's good to be working in somewhere else I think. It gets you into a different environment, into a different mindset. So yeah. my dad always talked about the separation of state and church <laughs> in some ways and I'm, yeah. I'm with him on that one. But back to the story, I needed a place to really write my applications, go to LinkedIn and trying to organize this mess that I had in my head of figuring out what the hell I should be doing. So I came to Beta House and I got a club membership like yourself. I sat here applying for jobs for about three weeks and then I got a tap on the shoulder from the very people at Beta House saying that they would have an open position and that's, that's why I'm sitting in this chair as we speak. And so moving on a little bit from that, I, I, I know we're going to talk about some future plans, but we won't get to that right away. I want to talk a little bit about uh, interests that you have, two uh, passions, I should say, really, okay. in terms of music and also, uh, um, I guess, travel writing. So yes. Maybe true. we could start with the travel writing. Absolutely, with pleasure. So I've started writing in 2010 with basically the first big travel I've done by myself, eight weeks in the US with my brother. 
And I really just picked up a book and thought, I want to try this, I want to see where this goes. And pretty much everything that writing is today, or a lot of it already was in that first, in that first volume that I wrote about these eight weeks. The pleasure that comes with it, the, the mesmerization of it, the grind as well of sitting down on a regular basis and putting words to paper. It's not easy, but yeah, I've stuck to it till today. And have you ever considered publishing any bits of it? That's a very good question. As of now, I haven't because it's a process that really starts and ends with me in a way. So I read a very interesting quote a couple of years ago that says you write to taste life twice. And that's kind of Okay, that's a, yeah, that's a that's a good idea. In fact, in many ways, you can look back or read back and rethink ideas that you were thinking at a particular point in time if you've been doing journaling for a number of years. Absolutely. So for me, it's really of a reflective nature. Writing always has been, especially the diary. And there's something about writing down how you felt about something, how you've experienced certain situations, putting them the paper quick as you can after they after they happened that really does something to you because I really feel myself in the situation again I relive the situation and I question myself I pat myself on the back I kick myself in the ass whichever whichever fits of course I certainly I think that when you're writing um, about if you are feeling bad about something if you're writing it it can be a certain amount of catharsis to get it out onto paper or whatever or or the screen or wherever you happen to write it yes so the challenge for me is always to put it down as it is and tell it as it was and how I felt about it not leave anything out that's essential and not yeah and so you have, te- what did you say before, 10 years of these journals at this stage? Yeah, so in, in terms of writing, I've written travel journeys or, or journals, I should say, every year in the big summer travels I did up until around 2015. And then I figured there that I was always bridging the gap At the beginning of every volume, I was writing in what happened since the last one, just to wrap it up quickly. And then when I got accepted at the University of Stirling, I knew this was going to be a a long trip in a way, as in a year. And I already sensed in some way that this was going to be a very special and unique time in my life. So that's when I decided to just write consistently every day. Okay, I guess it'll contribute to your memoir at some stage in the future. Maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> at least you'll have a lot of clarity of at how some, you're thinking all the way through your life. At some it. point, yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to go through those books page by page again. No. Uh, maybe I will someday. I've, I'm between 20 and 30 volumes as of now. Wow, that's a, that's a considerable, considerable amount of, of, of writing, I have to say. Okay, so um, moving on to music then. Of course. Because you mentioned that when you arrived to Berlin, you just had the guitar with you and your, and your luggage. Yes. So yes. tell me about uh, the bass guitar and electric guitar and your general interest in music. Right, yes. Well, there's always been something about music for me. So 
I never could really point my finger on what music is, how it makes me feel, and it's a very unique, the universal language, if you want. So I started picking up the bass guitar in 2006, when I was 16, uh, moving away from sports during the time and more into music, and just started playing in a few different combos uh, in school bands, uh, a jazz funk combo, which was really fun, and then blues, those kind of things. But I had a really, really good teacher who would show me like the, the depth of the instrument and the importance it has. And then, yeah, had a, a very cool metal band in, yeah, towards the end of my college years. But then when I moved to university, we all moved into different cities, so there was no point in keeping the combo up. And when I ended up in Kassel, where we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. I, yeah, the bass guitar wasn't gonna cut it, so to say. I needed an instrument that's fun by yourself a bit more. So bass, for me at least, is really good in bands, essential. But if you're by yourself, I'd recommend the guitar, at least. Of course, you can play and sing yourself if yeah. you want to. Uh, where it's, it'd be harder to do that to do bass. And then, yeah, picked up the guitar as an autodidact and been playing ever since. Okay, and are you playing in a band at the moment? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But you did mention that you did some open mics. I did a good couple of open mics on, yeah, in Irish pubs or just open stages in general everywhere I went. As of now, I'm, I was really busy with work and other things and then there was this uh, COVID-19 pandemic as well. Of, of course, course, yeah, that's, that, that changed things a lot. Changed things, but I'm in, looking so to In music particularly as well, it made it very yes, restrictive for a while. True. But again, with music, same story is I don't, I don't really aim for the stage by doing it. It's really something that starts and ends with myself again. So the best shows I've played in quotation marks was just sitting on the side of my bed. So what about the type of music that you've been playing? So I've come from folk, really. So. Um, basically all the music that my my parents would listen to the Bob Dylan type of Bob stuff. Dylan Tom Petty Clearance yeah. Clearwater Revival Simon and Garfunkel really the classics of um, modern rock as yeah. well and good tracks good tracks I have to say <laughs> I grew up listening to that oh, yeah, as well you did yeah it's it's timeless that whole period of the 70s I'm reading a book about the 60s and the 70s right now I don't think we'll ever see a creative explosion as we saw there in so many fields. Well, it'll, it'll be different. It's different yeah. now in some ways. And in fact, it's much more, possi it's much po more possible for people to uh, play music uh, and share their music now yes. than it was then. Whereas back then, I guess, bands just had to play concerts. That's the only way. I mean, okay, you could buy records. If you were good enough to make the records, people could buy them. Exactly. But now everybody can make, and not doesn't necessarily make people any better, it just means that there's more sharing of the music. There is, there is, yes. And there's uh, always, I'm, I'm all for stories in general. Have you been writing any music and songs? Um, I have, but I haven't really, I, no one's ever heard a song of mine <laughs> up okay. until this point. And any plans to, to change that? Maybe in the, in the future, yes. 
but as of now I'd still keep them to myself to be honest. So um, moving on to the future, uh, you told yes. me that there are some interesting things happening in the, on the horizon. There is actually, yes. So I'm in between jobs as of now, meaning I will be changing to a startup on the 1st of October. Really looking forward to it and will then gladly be looking back onto two and a half very special and very dynamic and very unique years here in Beta House in this co-working space. Because you meet a lot of people in Beta House all the time. All the time. Yeah. So I meet, I don't know, I can't even put a number on it, but I'd say I'm one of the most interrupted people <laughs> but also you have to organize events and you have to yes. arrange things there's a lot of skills and a lot of demands on a job as community manager absolutely so you you have to dip in so many different fields you have to be a people's guy for sure and you just have to have a sense or a, a knack or a feel for what moves people and what they might need and I just love connecting people and networking and I've been doing that as a community manager. And how did this new job come about? So I got an offer pretty much. I had been in touch with this startup for a while, two years actually, and they had an opening and we met in Beta House a while ago at an event and they just contacted me saying we, I might be a fit for the position and I was highly interested from the start. It's a very interesting company. Actually, I could see myself working for the guys for a time, for a long time actually. Okay, and, and of course it's using the skills that you uh, wrote about in your masters as well about uh, entrepreneurship. A, a startup is the ideal uh, direction to go yeah. with. Yeah, so for me it's really an, an evolution of taking the next step, getting into a young formation, a young dynamic startup and seeing if I can add my talent there. Yeah. That's super and I wish you all the success, uh, Richard, in that. Thank and you. actually on that point, uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. This has been an excellent talk, it's really interesting to hear about your life, Richard, and to hear about the various things you've done and the things you're going to do. <laughs> Frank, thank you so much for having me. This was a pleasure and I'm delighted that I'm a part of your lovely series now. Thanks very much. Bye. Ciao, ciao.